We're in 1 Peter chapter 4 this morning, starting in verse 12 and going through verse 19. Now, the subject of this passage is something that we don't like to talk about very much. And it makes a great Sunday school class uh, lesson for kids. But personally, we don't like that. We, uh, we're not real crazy about what this passage talks about. And uh, yet we have to face it pretty often in varying degrees, many times in our life. And that in uh, verse 12 of 1 Peter 4, Paul calls it an ordeal. Have you ever been through an ordeal? Yeah, we all have been through ordeals, haven't we? In fact, Tim's been one, through one for four and a half months, and, uh, and he's finally healing up. But, but not only that, it calls it a fiery ordeal. That makes it more intense, doesn't it? Uh, an ordeal. Other versions call it trials or troubles, but uh, fiery ordeal sounds... Uh, pretty intense. Makes it sound to me, when I thought of fiery ordeal, I thought of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in chapter 3 of Daniel, who were thrown into a fiery furnace. And it's interesting because we can, it makes a great Sunday school story, right? And we can, we can uh, uh, look at that and say, yeah, but look, look at the outcome. But, you know, when they were thrown into that furnace, they didn't know the outcome. That would be kind of scary, wouldn't it? That, that's a fiery ordeal. And that's what they were in, <coughs> was a, a fiery ordeal. <clears throat> but like it or not, we go through ordeals, trials, troubles in life. And Jesus said we would have tribulation in this world. Uh, in the upper room, as he was talking to his disciples, he said, uh, I've spoken to you many things, and I've spoken that you may have peace. In the world, you, have, you will have tribulation, trials, ordeals, fiery ordeals. But take courage, I have overcome the world. So we're going to talk about ordeals this morning, trials and troubles. Sometimes they're pretty intense, aren't they? Things can get really intense if you... Uh, wonder about that you can talk to Tim after the service he can he can tell you about a a fire ordeal and the intensity of it uh, and what the Lord has taken him through but Peter wrote the book of of what we call first Peter uh, probably shortly after Nero burned down Rome so fiery ordeal would be real fresh in his mind because Nero then blamed the Christians for the fire and started an intense persecution period a persecution period in which Peter would give his life for the Lord in just a few years after this Um, this was probably written in about 64 AD and and 67 or 68 Peter was martyred crucified upside down Uh, that was a fiery ordeal for him but he wrote to Christians because they needed to know how to handle ordeals in life. Do you need to know how to handle ordeals in life? I mean, if we just don't talk about it, then they don't come, right? Oh, I wish. But they do come, don't they? And, and as Christians, it's important for us to know how to handle things that come, the hard times, the fiery trials, uh, maybe even persecutions. 
we're seeing uh, uh, pastors in Canada that have been put in jail for having services. Uh, we haven't seen it in the United States yet, but we've talked about it, and it may be coming. And uh, so we want to know how we should handle that. So I, I want to look at how to handle ordeals from life, in life, from a Christian perspective, a Christian view. So in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12, 13, and 14, we're going to look at ordeals. In 15 through 18, we're going to look at consequences. And in 19, we're going to look at trusting God in the ordeals, the fiery trials that we have in life. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, I'm going to read them, and then we'll begin to study them. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. Or if anyone suffers, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but to glorify God in his name, this name. But it is time, if it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Okay, that's the scripture. Let's begin studying with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for Peter's instruction. Thank you that you inspired him to give this to us and, and remind us, to teach us, to help us in the struggles that we go through in life. And sometimes the trials are very intense and, and fiery ordeals. So we pray that as we look into your word, that you would teach and, uh, and guide us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Peter begins by, in, in the first three verses, thir 12, 13, and 14, to talk about fiery ordeals and what they're like. So he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange things were happening to you. Uh, they're not unusual. They happen all the time. And we have to, to go through them, whether we like it or not. But what does fiery ordeal mean? Well, first of all, don't be shocked when they come upon you, it says, because there are trials in life. Life has trials, and we have to go through them whether we like it or not. But a, a, a fiery ordeal is the idea of purifying us, helping us to grow spiritually, to overcome problems and sins and, and things in our life because God wants to make us more like Christ. So we... Think, can think of a fiery ordeal as a refining fire. Uh, maybe the most well-known person that went through a fiery ordeal is Job. Job went through an intense time. And Job says in, in Job 23, verse 10, 
He knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. How do you refine gold? Oh, you put it in the fire. Oh, I don't like that. That doesn't sound fun, does it? Anybody enjoy going through trials? Don't raise your hand if you do. Okay, of course we don't. No, they're, they're not fun to go through. Job did not enjoy what he was going through, but he had to go through it because God put him there that he might refine him and make him like gold. Did Job turn out to be gold? Yeah, he did. But it took God's refining fire to make him the man that God wanted him to be. And that's what a refining fire is. God puts it there for the purpose of refining us. So when you have problems, the question is not, why me? Why do I have to go through this? The question that you need to ask is, what do you want me to learn through what I'm going through? And ask God to teach you and ask God to help you pay attention. Sometimes I get to whining so much and so loudly that God's saying, would you mind being quiet so I can teach you something? Have you ever had that? I have. I have and learned that that God will speak when we're in the midst of, of fiery ordeals or whether they're big or whether they're little. But instead of whining about the struggles or suffering, focus on, on God and what he's doing in you because ordeals in life that God allows are a privilege because God is refining us. He counts us quality enough to work on us. And that's what we need to be worked on. He cares about us that much. In fact, James, who was the half-brother of the Lord, says it this way, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now that doesn't mean when you go into trial, it's like, oh boy, here comes another one. It means that you say, thank you, Lord, for what you're going to teach me through it. Because trials are not a joy. And I have never gone through a trial that I've said, oh boy, in. Okay, think of it as a privilege. That's what he's saying. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, James had been through some trials. James knew what he was talking about, and he says... I know it's not easy, but count it as a privilege that God is giving to you that he's making you more like Christ. That's what a trial is for, is to refine us, to make us more like him. It's important to focus on the Lord when we're going through trials. Ask Pastor Tim. He can tell you all about it. Yeah. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 Peter says that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God always makes everything we go through worth it, either in this life or in eternity. 
it's important to realize that God loves us enough to take us through things to help refine us because he cares about us that much. In Philippians 1.6, Paul says, I am confident in this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it. What is, is the hard times trying to do in us? It's trying to help us to grow and to be perfected like Jesus Christ. That's what God wants us to do when we go through fiery ordeals. <clears throat> so, verse 13, back in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13 says, But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. So Peter talks here, and, and Peter knows what's going on. Peter's been through this. Uh, this is at the end of Peter's life, and, and he's had struggles, and he's had fiery ordeals. But in verse 13, he says, keep on rejoicing at the revelation of his glory. He talks about God and focuses on God and says that whatever we go through, God will make it worth it because he cares for us. He cares about what's going on. <clears throat> so how is it possible to do it when things are hard. Instead of grumbling, what should we be doing? How should we focus on fiery ordeals and, and go through them with the Lord? Well, first of all, it takes prayer. We have to pray to the Lord often. And, you know, I, I find that when I'm in fiery ordeals, I pray more instead of less. I pray more because, because I'm talking to God and, and he knows what's going, going on and he knows how to control it. And, and so I want the comfort. I want the encouragement. I want the refining that God gives through prayer. So prayer, pray when you go through things. Get into the word and see what God says. Let him speak to you in, in God's word. So when you're going through a fiery trial, be a person of prayer more than normal. Be a person of the word more than normal. Find out what God says because he can use it to strengthen, encourage, and help you. Thirdly, be a person that is humble. Don't be telling God what to do in the midst of your trial. Have you ever done that? Don't, don't answer, but I have. You know, try and tell God that he should end this because it's getting too hard, you know. Uh, let God be God and work things out for you. So prayer, being time, spending time in the word, being a person that is humble, and being a person that obeys God. You, you don't start ignoring God and his word because you're going through hard times. Sometimes it's like, well, I'm just going to check it all and forget the whole thing. And No, that's the time when you want intense obedience to God. James, again, says in verse, chapter 4, verse 8, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Don't let your mind wander away from God when you're going through hard times. Focus on him and let him take care of you. Say, Lord, teach me what do you want me to learn and help me to learn it so that I can be the person you want me to be. Refine me. You know, if we just ignore God, sometimes he takes us through it again. 
to teach us the same lesson again. That's not easy, but God loves us that much. He cares about us that much. God always is near to help us in everything he allows in our lives. Everything that he allows in our lives, he is near to help us through it, to take us through it, to strengthen us, to do, to provide whatever we need. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, did Paul know what he was talking about? If you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and, and go through the list of the things that Paul had been through in his ministry and, and all the sufferings, he'd been, he'd been in jail, he'd been stoned and left for dead, he'd been in shipwrecks, he'd been whipped, he'd been all kinds of things. And yet Paul turns around and says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We can do it. Ordeals are not fun to go through. But God gives us the strength to go through them. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is in the believer and always ready to strengthen us when we go through trials, when we go through hard times. He's always there and he's always available to us. So the promise of him resting on us is, well, look at the stoning of Stephen. Talk about a fiery ordeal for Stephen. Do you know what Stephen's response was at the end, just before he died? In uh, Acts chapter 7, verses 55 and 56, it says, Being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of God standing at the right hand of God. Just, uh, Son of man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen was in the most intense death struggle of his life, and it was about to be over. And Stephen said, my focus is on Jesus Christ. I, I can see him, and he's welcoming me home. It's like, wow, wow. Is that the way God really operates? Is it just for Stephen that he did that? Or does he operate that way for you and I? He operates that way for you and I. It's the same God that Stephen has that is our God. It's the same Holy Spirit that Stephen had that we have. And if Stephen can do it, we can do it. Because we have the same God. Now, hopefully none of us will have to go through it. But whatever God takes us through, the Holy Spirit is there to strengthen us in it. And God is there to provide all that we need. So be a person of prayer a person of the word, and a person that submits to God when you go through fiery ordeals. That's what Peter had to learn. Remember Peter when he was a disciple, when Jesus was on the earth? You think he would have humbled himself? No, it took being broken by the sin he had of, of denying the Lord. And, and so Peter ha has learned who God is and how God operates through the fiery ordeals that he's been through. And he says, let me tell you something. It works. It works because God is there to provide for us all the time. Peter knew what he was talking about. Now, fiery ordeals are, are there to, to refine us. But verses 15 through 18 talks about something a little different. Verse 15. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. 
if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time if it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So verse 15 talks about consequences for bad choices, not trials. Okay, so if we suffer for sinful behavior, don't say, well, I'm going through a trial. You're going through consequences for sin. Okay, so if you're speeding on the highway and you get caught by a trooper and don't say, oh, God, God is is taking me through a trial. No, you're getting consequences for disobeying the law. Right. Okay. I, that's that's kind of what it is. You know, uh, if you shoplift and you go to jail or pay a fine, it's consequences. It's chastening of the Lord. So so what is the difference between fiery ordeals and consequences of chastening? One is for sin. One is for refining. One is for sin to correct behavior. One is to refine us to make us more godly. So. How do we know whether it's a trial or chastening from the Lord and consequences for sin? Well, examine yourself. You will know. If you have habitual sin in your life, then it's probably consequences of sin that God is having on you. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 says, Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? So how do we know whether it's a fiery trial that God is refining us, or it's a whipping from God because we've disobeyed him? By our actions. If we're doing sinful things and clinging to sinful habits, then it's probably discipline from the Lord that we need to correct. Now, it both can result in, in uh, spiritual growth, but if we're doing something that is sinful, God will reveal that to us. And if we do, then we go back to 1 John 1, 9 that says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. That is important. Consequences happen as well as ordeals happen. But consequences are for sin, and God may use it to refine us, but they are because of sinful behavior that we need to get rid of. So does that mean then that the situation will go away? Well, the chastening will go away, but sometimes there are consequences that stay because of things that we've done. For instance, if a person has stolen something and they go to prison, because it's a big enough crime that they're in prison and they confess their sin, they come to the Lord or whatever, does that mean that they get out of jail free because now that they're a Christian? No. The consequences are still there. And sometimes consequences are there for the rest of our lives because of sin that we did in our lives. And we have to understand that there's a difference between God's refining fire and God's chastening fire and we need to Rejoice in the one and grow. We need to correct ourselves in the other and grow. Okay, God will use both of them in our lives to make us more Christ-like. But the chastening hurts 
because of sin, because of the things that we do. So uh, verse 16 says, some ordeals may be persecution, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but to glorify God in this name. So sometimes it's because of consequences. Sometimes it's because of evildoers. And so we as Christians may suffer even though we're in the right. That's not a consequence of, of sin, but that's a consequence of living in a world of sin around us. And, and it does happen. Now, the, the word that he uses, Christian, we, we use that word all the time. But it wasn't used much in the uh, New Testament. I think it's only used like four times in the New Testament. And when the term Christian was used in the New Testament, it was a derogatory term. It was a nasty term. It was to put you down. So when, he, when Peter says, if you suffer as a Christian, yes, people are going to laugh at you. People are going to persecute you. They may beat you. They may take everything from you. But if you suffer for Christ, then it's a blessing, even though it hurts. So ordeals hurt. Sometimes they're hard to go through, but God uses them to refine us. Sometimes there are consequences to sin in our lives and God uses them to discipline us or disciplines us so that we may grow and, and become more Christ-like in him. <clears throat> there is glory to God when we endure per persecution as a Christian. No matter what it is, we need to honor the Lord with our lives. We are to be salt and light in our lives. Matthew 5, 13 and 14, you are salt of the earth. If the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for any, anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. We are salt and we are to live a godly life that others may see Christ in us, even if it means that we suffer persecution. Okay, you are the light of the world, a city... Set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We are to be salt and we are to be light. And if we're doing sinful things, we're not being salt and light. And there are consequences to that. We need to follow God's way and do things that are right. We are to bring glory to God. And, and that's what... 17 and 18 is talking about 18. And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? If we're doing things that are wrong, if I go to my workplace and I don't act like a Christian in my workplace, then how am I going to be a witness to those that are there? That, that is a sinful thing, not to be a witness in the workplace. Now, I don't mean you have to... to uh, uh, talk about it all the time, especially if, you're, if your employer says you're taken away from my time. But we need to be salt and light. They need to see Christ in us and win the opportunity to tell others about Christ. So ordeals happen. Consequences happen. And, and sometimes when we even do the right thing, there are consequences. But whatever, God works in us to do his thing, his his righteousness so that we can show his glory to a world that is lost, that is without Christ. And the world needs our Christ, does it not?
the darkness is just starting to overwhelm the world. And that makes our lights brighter. We need to shine brighter for him. Now, verse 19 talks about how you handle the fiery ordeals that come in life. And it's called, I, I title it, Trust Happens. Therefore, verse 19, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Entrust their souls to a faithful creator. Verse 19, the very first part says, Therefore those who suffer according to the will of God. God allows suffering in my life? Does God allow things in our lives to teach us? Yes, he does. That's what it says. Who suffer according to the will of God. God allows things in our lives to teach us and to refine us. And sometimes the things are not too bad. Sometimes they're very intense. But they're there to refine us and make us godly. And if there's sin in our lives, then he's going to use it to break, break us away from sin and to start refining us away from sin and away from consequences to sin because God loves us and cares about what's going on. But yes, he does allow it. If you're not sure about that, go back and read the book of Job. Who's the one that started the conversation with Satan about Job? Who brought up Job? Satan or God? Have you ever thought about that? God brought him up. Have you considered my servant Job? God was the one that started it in the first place. Why? Because he wanted to refine Job and make him more godly than he was. And, and it says Job was the most godly man in the whole east, the whole area where he lived. And yet God wanted him to be more godly. Do we ever get to the point where we've arrived? Yes, when we're in heaven. Yes. Not in this life. And so God will keep refining us. And refining is a privilege that God gives to us. That's why I said, don't say why me, but what do you want me to learn? How do you want me to grow so that I can be more like you? Because that's what the purpose of trials is. We can be in God's will and still suffer a lot. Just because you're having a hard time doesn't mean that you're out of God's will. Many times we're in God's will and God refines us more and more. The goal in, in the Christian life is Romans 8, 28 and 9. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. God plans to make us like Jesus. And I have found in my life that sometimes God has to work pretty hard through ordeals to make me more like Jesus. Because I've got some rough edges. 
And those rough edges need to be refined, and God is the refiner. He's the one that does it. It is God who works all things, causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. So if God is in your life, if you're a Christian and you're going through hard times, is God allowing them according to Scripture? Yes, He is. Why? Because He loves you and because He cares about what's going on in your life. So the goal of fiery trials is to make us like Jesus. The goal of fiery trials is to bring glory to God. First Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I, I have seen some people that amaze me at the things that they're going through and the way that God blesses them while they're going through it. Will God bless you in the things that you're going through? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He definitely will do so. When we react in a godly way, amazing things happen. It draws us closer to the Lord. James 4, 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that God's way out there, and if you say, God, uh, I need something? No, God is right there with you. And when you turn and pay attention to him, he is ready to communion with you, to fellowship with you, because he loves his people. He cares about us. And all the things that we're going through, he, he lets us go through because he loves us enough to make us like his son, which is the greatest blessing that we could possibly have. It's amazing what God does. Uh, think about this. You remember the story in Acts 16 of, of Paul and Silas when they were thrown in jail, they were beaten and put in the inner prison and they were put in stocks and they sat there in the stocks with their backs beaten and bleeding and, and everything and they were praising God and singing. It's like, what kind of nuts are these people? I would be whining and complaining and say, God, what did I do? This hurts. They were singing. And the prisons were opened the, through a, a, an earthquake. And, and Paul and Silas were freed. And did they run away? No, they stayed right there to, to minister to the jailer and brought the jailer and his family to the Lord. And then they were freed. And, and it says in Acts 16 and verse 40 that they were, got out of prison and they went to the house of Lydia where they had started a church, and it says they encouraged them and departed. It's like, wait a minute, Paul and Silas were the ones that were beaten. Paul and Silas were the ones that were put in prison. Paul and Silas were finally released, and they go to the house, and they encourage the church, even though they're the ones that, that have uh, gone through the fiery ordeal. Have you ever, have you ever visited somebody that's in the middle or been through a fire ordeal or in the middle of a fiery ordeal and come away encouraged by them. It's amazing what God will do in our lives if we just let him. I, I have visited people that have had heart attacks, people that have, that have got cancer and, and just heard the news that, that it's not that long. And uh, I think I've mentioned before my sister-in-law that had 
had cancer for 10 years. It was bone cancer and it was, it was uh, uh, very painful. I remember one surgery she told me about they, she had a tumor on, on her leg and, and they had removed the tumor, but they, it, it was wrapped around her, the, the nerve that goes down her leg and they had to pull it off. And she says, I woke up in the recovery room and I heard somebody screaming and realized it was me. She was in pain. And, and yet, just before she died, I went to visit her. We... My wife and I went to visit her, and, and she said with a glowing face, I'm just a few days from seeing Jesus. She says, I get to see him before you do. I'm excited. That, that's, what, that's what fire ordeals do. They make us like Jesus. They make us excited for seeing a God who cares that much about us. And, and so I, I look at at fire ordeals, and I don't look forward to fire ordeals, but I know that when God takes us through them, he will bless us. We just, we need to entrust ourselves to him. It says, therefore, uh, those who suffer according to the will of God, entrust their souls to a faithful creator. Trust yourself to God in what you're going through. Understand that God allows it, and he has a, a limit on what will happen to you. God limited what happened to Job. Okay, Satan, you can do this to him, but you can't touch him. Okay, you can touch his body, but you can't take his life. God sets limits on what goes on in our lives. And God watches them all the time. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it. He knows the lengths that it will go to and, and how it works, whether it's cancer or, or whether it's COVID or, or whether it's... it's uh, uh, health issues, uh, uh, financial issues, relationship issues, trust God. He is a trustworthy God. He is there to trust, to take care of us at all times. Continue. Keep giving your life to him. Keep giving your ordeal to him. Keep trusting him. And, and the idea when it says uh, uh, entrust your souls, it doesn't mean, okay, here it is. Uh, we're done. You know, I'll, I'll just, it means keep giving it to him. Because I found that when I'm going through a fire ordeal, I'm going to keep taking it back. Oh, Lord, this doesn't belong to me. This belongs to you. I'm going to keep my faith in you and let you take care of things because I don't know what to do and I don't know how to do it. And I'm not, not in control. You are. God will take care of it. Keep entrusting over and over and over everything that you're going to through to him. So this is exactly what Jesus did before he went to the cross and when he was in the cross. It, Peter says that in, in 1 Peter 2.23, while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus is our example. And he, when he went through his tremendous, fiery ordeal of going to the cross, kept giving himself to the Father. You take care of me, I can't do it without you. And, and that's where we are. We can't do it without him. Entrust, commit yourself to the Lord that he will take care of things and that he will do it right. And he will give us the strength to go through everything that we go through. Keep the faith. Sometimes it's, 
It's a struggle and we, and we want to doubt God and, and why is he taking me through this? Just trust him that he is doing what is best because he is God and he is doing what is best. He's doing what will form you into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Keep the faith, keep being faithful. God will accomplish his purpose in you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 through 24 says, Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved completely without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you and he will bring it to pass. God never lets go of us, no matter what we're going through. And Peter wanted the the Christians in Rome and, and all those that he wrote to understand that because they were going to go through some very fiery trials. Remember in your history that uh, there were times when Nero would have uh, uh, Christians put on crosses and light them on fire to, uh, to light his gardens at night. Isn't that a nice way to, yeah, right. God allowed that to happen. Why? Because it's, it's refining and, and it shows the world who Christ is and, and that we can go through whatever God calls us to go through with his strength and with his care. Now, not very often do we have to go through that, but God will take us through whatever we are called to go through. We don't always understand. We don't always like it. I'm sure Job didn't enjoy what he went through, but it made him a man of deeper faith. But I challenge you, I encourage you to remain faithful to God and to his Savior because God is our strength and our care. It says in 2 Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may show support so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. God is working in us in the easy times, in the hard times, all the times. God will work in us and through us and do everything that we need. Life happens. Ordeals happen, but God always has a goal in our lives for what he lets us go through. And he's always making us more like Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So if he's a consuming fire and and he has that power to do everything, does he have the power to take care of you and I when we go through things? Absolutely. He is the creator. He is the redeemer. And he is the one that keeps us always. Keep faithful to the Lord in everything that you go through with him because he never leaves or forsakes. Father, thank you for being a God that cares. Thank you for a God being a God that even though we don't enjoy going through them, you take us through them to refine us, to make us more pure, to make us people that are like Jesus Christ. Lord, I've seen how it works. I've experienced it some. And I realize that you do it because you love us. 
and because you want to show us how faithful you are and how strong that we can be when we're leaning upon you. Father, thank you for Peter and the things that he shows us. Thank you for the things that he went through as an example to us. May we stand firm in our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.